my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Now, my goal is to help you with just those things I said, save more, spend less, avoid getting ripped off. But there are times that you feel the advice I've given is fuzzy, misdirected, or just wrong. And that's why we have a message board on Clark.com called Clark Stinks. You can go there. You can post where you feel I've missed a beat, missed a note, or just flat out I should never sing, which is true, by the way. And you post. Other people can read it. They can post comments about what you've said. And then weekly, our producer, Krista, goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares her favorites with you right here. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. Don't tiptoe around the numbers. Hi, Clark. You clearly don't stink, but I would like to make a suggestion. When people are asking for advice related to their finances, you tiptoe around how much money they have and how much money they make. Your answer would be much more informative, not to mention interesting, if you just flat out asked how much money we're talking about. Another financial podcast I listen to takes that approach. Okay, and I appreciate that. And it depends on the individual I'm talking to. And I gauge, and sometimes maybe I gauge incorrectly, that they're comfortable giving that kind of information or they're not comfortable giving that kind of information. And sometimes it's very, very relevant that I know how much money they have, you know, how much they make, all that. Other times the advice is more general that might serve just a wider audience. So that's how I kind of make that call in a call. And sometimes I'm on the mark with it, and sometimes you're right, I should ask more specifics. Clark correctly points out the security risks with public Wi-Fi, but his solution is always tethered to a smartphone that is not always possible and may be impractical. He should include the option to use VPN services. There are a number of VPN apps available that can be used across multiple devices and platforms for a single fee. Not only does VPN encrypt network traffic, it also shields your browsing history from the prying eyes of ISPs and other nefarious characters. Personally, I always have my VPN connected, whether I'm home on a cellular network or public Wi-Fi. And that is great advice, and I'm a big believer in VPNs. The reason I don't didn't talk about it at that time was that a lot of people kind of shut down when you tell them to set up a VPN. It seems confusing to them. But setting up a virtual private network, a VPN, is very cheap now. It's a very competitive market. And there are many, many available. I haven't done a search of that lately. If you just search that, how many would pop up? But that is a great answer if people are going to use public Wi-Fi. Clark, I heard you give advice to a fellow who had a substantial amount of money which needed a safe place to park. You suggested that he use a service to divvy the money up between banks to get in under the $250,000 FDIC CDARS, limit. CDARS.com. Why not just tell them to go to the U.S. Treasury Direct and buy T-bills or T-bonds? They have no risk of default, and you can get as many as you want, even above $250,000. Personally, I use Series I-bonds. I buy $10,000 a year at Treasury Direct, get my tax refund in paper I-bonds, and they pay 2.3% right now. 
indexing to inflation and the interest is not taxed until you cash them in. Troubled user of treasuries, it is signed. Troubled users of treasure, user of treasuries. I have I-bonds, and there are certain times I find I-bonds to be a good purchase. I don't know they've been the greatest purchase lately, and so I haven't bought any recently. Uh, if I'm trying to give somebody advice where they just stash their cash, I like for them to be able to use the CDARS program if they've come in to an enormous amount of money they don't know what to do with yet. And with the um, with the I-bonds or buying treasuries or whatever, depending on how you buy them, you may have some, uh, some difficulty in how long you have to hold them and all the rest. The alternative that I would advise as an alternative to what you suggested is something that I do. I have an I-bonds fund, and it's one that I have through Vanguard, where they call it the Treasury Inflation Adjusted Fund, I think is what they call it. And that way I can buy and sell at will, and I receive the interest rate that it's earning at market. The time is now to declutter and donate. With the potential tax code change to double standard deductions, the majority of those that itemize will be doing standard deductions. It's a win-win because you're decluttering and getting more money back or paying less in taxes by deducting those charitable donations. You stink because you haven't provided this critical guidance yet on the podcast, Martin. Martin, great job, great advice. And by the way, if you want to do any charitable contributions where you give somebody money, do that before this year's out because of the potential tax law changes concerning charitable donations. College major. There's a middle ground between picking a STEM major and picking a major based on only your skill or passion. Employers love people who are creative, thus a liberal arts degree can be beneficial, but any degree without a proper plan, even a STEM or business degree, isn't a good idea. Maybe you want to be a social worker, but the type of work you want to want to have requires a graduate degree. Maybe you need work experience before graduating. So there's a lot to think about when picking a major, whether you go to a community college or an expensive private or Ivy League school. The reason for a major should be for a greater reason than, it, than it's what my boyfriend or father thought was best or because you took a career test. It should be an innate passion that you did your due diligence for. I want to tell you, thank you for that post, because I am a a big believer that you study what you love. And I think that that's the first priority, to be in a job that just because it pays well, but you hate every day you go to work. What a miserable experience, because we spend so much time at work. I want you to be doing something that you enjoy. Buying TVs based on price alone, Clark has areas where he is quite knowledgeable, such as finance and deals, but unfortunately, technology is not one of his strengths. When he tries to Wait, wait, this is two weeks in a row somebody's writing about that kind of thing. I know. But this person's being more specific. Yes. He tries to offer technology advice based on the only topic he is an expert on, money. He does his listeners a great disservice. Whether it be computers, TVs, or whatever, those of us intimately familiar and involved with with technology cringe whenever he gives absolutely horrible advice, such as to buy a TV based on sticker price. 
With TVs, there are so many factors, such as LCD panel technology, backlight style slash technology, longevity, warranty, etc., many of which directly contribute to why, why brand A's 55-inch 1080p looks tons better than brand B's and will last many times longer. Going over everything in this post would be futile. The recent issue about fake HDR in the budget brand TCL is just yet another buyer beware gotcha that furthers the point that sometimes you actually do get what you pay for. All 55-inch 1080p TVs are not the same any more than all front-wheel drive four-door sedans are the same, and buyers absolutely should do their homework about brands and specific models. I appreciate that post thoroughly, and I must tell you I disagree with it completely. And the reason is, is that TVs have been uh, virtually a unique situation, that TVs have been depreciating at the fastest rate of any consumer item I can recall in my lifetime, because the technology has moved so fast that to spend big money on a TV, because at this moment, this TV is better than that TV, is to me a waste of your money. Find All the TVs look great. Some may look a little greater than others, but they all look great. And so I think you buy the screen size appropriate for you at the cheapest price you can get because with the technology moving as fast as it is, at some point, yeah, that TV may go into a secondary viewing location in your house, and you buy the next newest generation cheapo TV. Clark, I used to use mutual funds until I entered the 21st century and discovered ETFs. I cringe every time you recommend high-cost mutual funds and, worse yet, the funds based on your age. A much better recommendation would be ETF and or robo-traded accounts like Charles Schwab Intelligent Portfolio or Betterment. Lower costs, more transparency, real-time quotes, etc. I would never go back to mutual funds. Thanks, Clark. Thank you for that. And I would not cringe if I were you, because all target retirement funds are not expensive. A lot of them are actually pretty cheap. And so the thing is, okay, you cringe and say that ETFs, and I do talk about exchange-traded funds, ETFs. I have some recommendations of them on my website. But there are a lot of people who investing, they shut down pretty quickly. They're overwhelmed by it bored by it, intimidated by it, whatever. And so I find that if I can get somebody into a low-cost target retirement fund, expenses of about one-fifth of 1%, that for them, having it automatically change the mix of investments as they get steadily closer to retirement age is an ideal answer. If you're somebody who's hands-on, of course, using either extreme low-cost index funds or extreme low-cost ETFs is a great answer. I love the Schwab Intelligent Portfolios. I love Betterment. I love Wealthfront. I agree with you on all of that, except I do see a role for many people going into just a simple target retirement fund where you pick the year closest to when you're going to retire and you just slap your money in it and forget it. 
Clarkie, recently you told us our Medicare premiums would be going down. There have been advertisements on TV and radio to that effect. It was not clear if you or the ads were referring to Part D, Part B supplements, or Advantage plans. Regardless, my Part D went up 20% and my Plan F supplement 12%. What did I miss? Well, when I talked about that, it was about averages. And so uh, in some situations, rates have gone up, others they've gone down. And it's one of the very confusing aspects of anything involving medical, insurance, Medicare supplements, anything like that, is that it is a real mixed bag. And we aren't close in America to figuring out how to do health care coverage. We got a long road in front of us till we get it right. Clark, how could you let two of your staff get their identity stolen? You should make sure they all froze their credit. If the problem occurred with Equifax and the credit was already frozen, does this mean the criminals have your PIN number and you really need to get your PIN number changed? So your frozen credit will really be frozen and the criminals won't have your new PIN number. So we're not a monolith. And uh, I even have a couple of people who work on the staff who bank with Wells Fargo. And you know how I feel about that criminal enterprise impersonating a bank. So people have their own lives and their own decision-making process, and I'm not a dictator. And so I wouldn't say to somebody, why have you not frozen your credit? That is their choice. They should do it. And the consequences of having everything be a mess because credit wasn't frozen is a good example for all of us. Dear Clark, thanks for reporting on the mess at TIAA. Like you, I'm a longtime fan and 30-plus year investor, so I hope that they can clean up, clear up this mess and regain our trust. But here's the problem. Every time you talk about them, you call the company TIA. I've never heard anyone else pronounce it that way. Everyone else, including the company, calls it by the initials TIAA. Enjoy listening to you via podcast, Beth. Beth, I talk so slowly anyway. If I said TIAA... Instead of Tia, it would take longer. So it's a time saver that I say it. And they should have a better name anyway. It's too much work. I mean, that's why they shortened it, shortened it from TIAA-CREF. So I appreciate that. And hopefully Tia will get their moral and ethical compass back in place. I appreciate all your posts. Please let me know when you feel I'm not doing what you expect of me not meeting your standards, by going to Clark.com, going to our Clark Stinks message board, and please let me know how to serve you better. It's Ask Clark time. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com, and Joel will ask it for you. All right, Clark Jr. wrote in and says, I've had MS for a few years. I've had to quit my job, but I I'm really sorry. miss working. Yeah, I know. It stinks, right? And uh, But uh, so Jr. wants to know, are there any reliable, honest companies that I could work from home for via my computer. Well, just where you posted that is where you should go look on Clark.com. Historically, one of the top search things on our website for forever has been work at home. And we work very hard to make sure the companies that we list there are on the up and up. And there are a number of different kind of things you can do that are legitimate work at home or independent work you can do they none of them pay a lot of money anybody who promises you're going to be rolling in money from doing part-time work or work from home 
Well, they're not telling the truth. All right. And Sheila says... Oh, and the search term you should do is work at home guide. That's right. And Sheila says, do you know anything about acorns? It uh, charges a dollar a month, and I'm wondering if it's worth it. Acorns is neat. And I've been very impressed that acorns has stood the test of time. Because when it first started, I thought it was a great idea, but I just didn't know if they'd make it. You, on your phone, you have their app, and you're able to build investments over time. It's totally automated, extremely low cost, obviously, at a dollar a month. And it's about building habits. You know, it by itself is not going to make you rich. But it can help you start to build up some reserve, some investments. And the explanation on acorns.com is very simple, easy to set up, easy to understand, and automatically you're able to build up money, as they call it, from your spare change. The website acorns.com. All right, Josh wrote in, he says, Clark, you talk about sites like Wish.com and other super cheap sites, but did you know that they sell name brand counterfeit items? Yes, we have addressed this on the show, that, and it's been one of the great problems that AliExpress has tried to solve. And with Wish and their companion site, their uh, sister site, Geek, or I guess it would be brother site since most people call guys geeks, not women. I guess it could be anybody could be a geek, right? But anyway, these sites connect you directly with Chinese sellers. And all I'll tell you is when somebody's saying that they're selling you a brand name on any of these Chinese sites, I would think it would be fair just to assume that the items are counterfeit if they're touting them as brand name. One thing with any of these sites, they're so cheap but the delivery can often take six weeks or more from China. So glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where you learn ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website, and you can follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. So I alluded to something earlier, and that is there's a proposed regulation from the Labor Department that and proposed rules with typically with very little change end up being final that will allow employers of any type in almost all circumstances to take your tips. If you work in a job where you get tips, your employer will be empowered under the regulations to just seize them and they'll be able to do whatever they want with them. And so your employer, even though a customer will have left you a tip, your employer will be able to take it, redistribute it how the employer wishes. And this is something that that is very um, very polarizing for people. And historically, uh, like in a lot of restaurants that are full-service restaurants, there have been... Uh, situations where a server routinely will share a portion of tips with a bus person or maybe somebody behind the bar or whatever, and that is something someone would do. Well, I want to know how you feel about this, and so I put it 
on my Facebook page, not that long ago, facebook.com slash Clark Howard. And we are getting responses in shocking numbers and comments in just minutes. There have already been several hundred, hundred comments posted. And people are, um, let's say, a little exercised about this. But this has been written because restaurant owners use their influence at the U.S. Department of Labor to get a new rule written that will allow the restaurant owners to seize all the tips that employees get. And that's the purpose of this. Now, I'll tell you, if you are somebody who's unhappy about this, in our poll right now, 93% of people are opposed to the proposed rule. Normally, these kind of things just slide right through. But people who work in jobs where you receive tips, hotels, restaurants, any job where people receive tips, you're going to have to get yourselves organized if this is something that fires you up, and you're going to have to figure out how to file a complaint or a, or a comment, <laughs> will really be a complaint, with the U.S. Department of Labor, and you have to hope that the fix isn't already in on this. You never know when a regulation is proposed whether or not they've already decided what they're going to do and everything else is just window dressing which is what's happened with net neutrality that didn't matter how people felt or anything like that. It was always going to be an uh, an end to net neutrality, toll bridges put on the internet, and information that the cable monopolies and phone monopolies didn't like that might be somebody saying they don't like the cable company or whatever, that that information will be censored that all that infringement on free speech, it didn't matter how many people commented because it was already a political decision in Washington to eliminate free speech over the Internet. That was just the deal. And one of the major cable companies, as you probably have heard about, had done a pledge on their website that even if the FCC eliminated free speech, that they would continue the right to free speech, that they would still continue to allow traffic to flow at will. And that was just pulled down now that it's clear that that's going to pass. So going back to this Labor Department proposed rule, it is not clear, and I don't know if this isn't a uh, just a trial balloon that uh, political appointees are trying to make restaurant owners happy and that a lot of pushback from the public will change this or if no matter what people do this is what it's going to be i am a big believer in the value of tipping as a way to reward people for their attitude and their effort and put doing a con job on customers where you think you're giving a tip that'll go to an employee and have it just stolen by the employer to be used as the employer wishes, to me, is horrific. But again, that's my opinion. There are others that may feel very differently. 
And I just gave a very biased viewpoint of it on our Facebook page. It's very um, straight down the middle. But I want you to read what people are saying, read their comments, vote as you wish. And then I'll uh, late, at a later date, I'll share with you what the results were from our Facebook page. Luke, and that's facebook.com slash Clark Howard. Luke is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Luke. How you doing? Clark, how's it going? Great. Thank you, Luke. Uh, you are a personal hero of mine, so I just want to thank you for taking my call. Well, you are so kind to say that. <laughs> thank you. So my parents took out a whole life policy on me when I was uh, one years old. Um, I know you don't like these, and I don't just because you don't, obviously. Um, so uh, when I was 13, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, which is a chronic disease uh, for those who don't know. Yeah, how well are um, you doing keeping it under control? It's what's referred to often as juvenile diabetes, is that right? Yep, yep, and I'm doing great. Um, I yeah, I have a nephew. I have a nephew as juvenile diabetes. Right, yep. So I'm 25 now, and everything is, is managed well, but unfortunately, life insurance companies don't really take that into account when they're uh, pricing your premiums. So. Right. So I guess my question is, I got something in the mail that is um, saying basically I can up my coverage at the grandfathered-in rate of this whole life policy, and I was wondering what you think, um, whether I should try to get a term life uh, outside of this. Or... No, I would go ahead and exercise your rights. See, this okay. this is your situation is one of those rare circumstances that makes my general advice about children's life insurance seem dumb. Okay. Because in your case... And it is rare that it will play out just like this. In your case, the fact that that policy was issued to you when you were one year old is going to be very valuable to you because now you can add insurance at certain stages and certain amounts you can add without a medical exam and without worry that if you were buying a new policy, you would be categorized as a high risk for pre-existing condition reasons. So, yeah, exercise that option as long as the additional premium you would face is a premium that you can afford in your budget. Got it. So whenever this comes up to re-up this, I should definitely uh, do it if I can. Yes. And how many do you know in the policy that you have, how many times over your lifetime you'll have an option to raise coverage free of a medical exam? I am not positive this to my knowledge, this is the first one we've gotten, and I'm 25 now, so... So I don't, I don't know, know how many... That's all dependent on the contract language of okay. the policy that was issued 24 years ago, how many times you can exercise the option to get additional insurance. Yeah, I'd have to look that up, but... But in your case, this is really... If it's affordable for you, slam dunk. Okay, awesome. Thank you, Clark. All right, and best to you. Continued good health. And do everything you're supposed to to maintain that. Thank you. Okay. And Jen is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jen. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you, Jen. You have a question for me. Which flavor 401k should you have? Is that right? That's right. Um, My employer offers a traditional 401k and a Roth 401k option. 
And I don't really know what the difference is, except that it's either taxed on the front or on the end. And then um, they do a match. They match 25% up to 6% of... So they give you 1.5% as a match on it. If you put in 6%, is that right? Yes. Okay. So the match, regardless of whether you go traditional 401k or Roth, the match will always be pre-tax. It's the money you contribute that you get to make the choice on. And I'd like for you to make that choice based on how young or old you are and how much money you make. So um, in general terms, unless you don't mind saying specifically, how old are you? Um, I'll retire in about 30 years, so I have a while. Okay. And generally, what kind of annual income do you have? Um, I'm, well, if you took in account stocks and stuff, it's different, but salary is about 50-ish. Okay. At 50-ish, you would benefit 30 years out from retirement. You would likely benefit from doing the Roth 401k option. Because you already have some pre-tax money just coming in in that employer match. And although you won't get a current benefit, a current deduction on your taxes, at the annual income level you are, you're in a very low tax bracket. So there's not enough tax savings to make it worth you missing the benefit with the Roth 401k, which is 30 plus years down the road that all that money is yours tax-free. Okay. Except for the employer match, which would be a taxable pile of money. So you would have two piles. That gives you some flexibility also, because depending on what happens each year in retirement, there'll be years it'll be better for you to tap the pre-tax money, and other years it'll be better for you to tap the post-tax money. So the Roth is so cool because... With a traditional 401k, every penny you have in there, every penny you earn over the years, all of it is taxed. And the government at a certain point puts you in a straitjacket requiring how much money you have to withdraw each year. With the Roth Mm -hmm. option, none of those rules apply. So that's why I so prefer that you, in, in your specific situation, Roth 401k is clearly the answer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sheila joins us here on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Sheila. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great, thank you. I hope your day is fantastic. 
My day is fantastic. Thank you. So, Sheila, you are starting to think about something off in the future, retirement. And how many years are you away from retirement? Oh, I would say at least 20 years. I'm 54. I think I have at least 20 good years left in it. All right. Well, how can I be of service? Well, um, I'm probably going to be a a problem child for you. I, uh, like I said, I'm 54 years old. I have no retirement account. I don't have any uh, retirement savings. So I just need help. Okay. And by the way, don't feel alone. Nearly half of Americans are exactly where you are with no retirement savings. Okay, yeah, I, I basically, I did. I worked for the post office for 15 years, and I had a good retirement plan that I blew on a business venture that didn't work out, so I'm basically starting all over again. Well, first of all, having the guts to be an entrepreneur is great. I'm sorry that it didn't work for you. So now, as a result, here we are at zero, and so how do you build? Do you have a good job now? I have an excellent job. I have excellent jobs right now. I actually have three. I am a private caregiver. I work four hours for each client, and I bring home about $5,800 a month. Very good. All right. So what I would like for you to do is, because you're past age 50, you were allowed to put aside up to $6,500 a year in a Roth IRA. Okay. And I would like you, um, I don't know if you can can put, that would mean you'd be putting a little more than $500 each month aside. How much are you able, you think, based on what you're making, to put into a retirement account each month? I could do 500 but let me tell you this. I am, in about two weeks, I will have about $20,000. You're coming into $20,000? i am coming into $20,000. All right, so w- what that means is you can immediately put 6500 into a Roth IRA. At the turn okay. of the year, you can put another 6500 into a Roth IRA. Okay. And you'll be able to take 13 of that 20. And the beauty of a Roth is that it can grow over these next 20 years, and it grows tax-free, but then has the added bonus that you spend it and everything it earns tax-free when you do decide to bag work. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds great. And then sounds- each year moving forward, you just keep um, – you won't be able to do it the next two years – But starting the following year, you'll be able to do that roughly $500 a month, every month, and just keep building up retirement savings. And what I would, let me tell you where I'd put it. Okay. I think you follow the simplest rule possible, which is put it in a target retirement fund for the year, let's say, 2035. Okay. And what they do is they automatically change the mix of investments for you as you get closer and closer to that target year. So far away from it, it's more aggressively invested. Closer to it, much more conservatively invested. I see. 
And just about every company offers target retirement funds, but my favorite for you to look at doing one is Vanguard. 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 Vanguard.com. Okay. So I belong to a bank that I know you're not... Oh, never do do retirement savings with a bank. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you. I'm, I'm with Wells Fargo, and I was wondering, should I start any kind of... I do have a savings account with them now that's not earning... Yeah, you know, I mean, they earns nothing. The money you have in yeah. a savings account, if you want to keep your checking account at Wells Fargo, good luck. But if you want to keep it there, <laughs> link to an online savings account that'll pay you, because Wells Fargo is paying you one one-hundredth of one percent. And you can link instead to one of the online savings accounts that pay 1.50% for the money you have in your savings. This is the Clark Howard Show. I appreciate you spending part of your day with us here on the Clark Howard Show. I want you to know that if you need consumer advice, we're here to serve you off air for free, nine hours a day. If you go to Clark.com and go down the home screen, you'll see a section, Consumer Help and Tools. Click on Consumer Action Center, and you can get that free off-the-air advice.